Clarence and Alabama are chasing the American dream. The only problem is... Half of America is chasing them. From the director of Top Gun and Beverly Hills Cop 2 comes a Bonnie and Clyde for the 90s. Christian Slater, Patricia Arquette, True Romance, Rated R. Starts Friday, September 10th at a theater near you. How is your OnlyFans account? Doing really well. Yeah. yeah. No, no. I got a lot of subscribers. Are you Good still, on you. Are you still going with the fifty percent discount? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, are you what's going on? <laughs> so you gotta subscribe to find out. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> it's uh, a mystery. Don't put that on the Patreon. Every, every week it's a mystery. We don't know what what David's gonna show on there on, mm-hmm. on his OnlyFans. That's onlyfans.davidmunchak <laughs> forward slash munchers. Munchers. Dot org. All right. Well, uh, we'll put we'll put the OnlyFans link in our Patreon page uh, when we be when sure we to check that. us out on Facebook, Twitter, Patreon, OnlyFans, and OnlyFans, <laughs> and OnlyFans. Launching exclusively <laughs> on OnlyFans. Brent, you remember the days when you and I back, you know, prior to starting our podcast empire, when we were a couple of DEA cops who, uh, you know, were working a case and uh, a sweet young faced uh, uh, boy named David came along, assistant (laughs) to a big Hollywood movie mogul, just got, you know, got mixed up with the wrong people. And we had to we needed him to uh, work a big bust. But you know, that was successful. And then we decided to quit that and start a podcast empire. That's true. Yeah, I remember that. It was, you know, it was a pretty, uh, pretty exciting time. We got to tape the wire to to David's chest and and have him go out there and and survive that that terribly scary ordeal. It, it was. Yeah, we won't say the name of the movie mogul, but no, you know, that would tw- be 2017 uncool. was a long time ago. That's right. <laughs> uh, well, with that in in our minds. There's only one movie we could be talking about this week, and that's the Quentin Tarantino, Tony Scott classic, True Romance. Yes. True Romance. So welcome back to another episode of Reconcinimation. I'm John Diner. I'm David Munchak. I'm Brent Hutchins. And this is the podcast that takes a look back at some of our favorite films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And we're going, we're, we're staying really in Tarantinoville. Uh, where we we started last week when we were talking about um, what movie were we talking about? I just drew a blank. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what did we do last week? Bernie's uh, Rolling Thunder. We were talking about Rolling, Rolling Thunder. Thunder yes, and uh, with with that being such an influential film for Mr. Tarantino, and we decided to just keep going with the uh, the Tarantino train. So we a few years ago, back in season two, I believe, we spoke about Reservoir Dogs, which uh, you can hear in our archives at www.reconcinimation.com. Uh, so we spoke about Tarantino's upbringing and his early start and how his, his first film got off the ground. And we're continuing along that line with 
uh, his next major film uh, with True Romance. So, guys, what's uh, what are your uh, what's er- some early memories of True Romance? David, when was the first time you saw True Romance? Like this week? No. Oh, really? Never even heard of it. What really? My, although the trailer looked kind of familiar, so back in the day, I probably saw. I don't know. I mean, Christian Slater was 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 hotness back in '93 or whatever, right? So he's kind yeah. of a. So if Christian Slater's in something, you know, like you're paying attention. But no, didn't never heard of it. Don't know what it is. Oh wow! I'm wow. interested, what to, a, hear, I'm what interested inc- to hear what your take is. What an incongruent uh, title for a for a film. You know, there's a movie called Love Story. Right. And then there's a movie called True Romance. And they can't be more different. No. Very different. Very different movies. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, so I thought I was getting more of a love story type of movie. Wait, it's a love story. What you've do you seen? seen love a fairy story? tale. No, I haven't seen it, but I understand what it what it's all about. Okay. It's about a love story. <laughs> yeah. Rumor has it. It's about <laughs> That's the word on the street. <laughs> That's next week's podcast. I thought it'd be some of the same. Turns out, nope. No. It's Reservoir no, Dogs, but this for, is much better. But it idiots. is it, it is a sem, semi version of a fairy tale love story, kind of. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. no, of course, no. It's uh, yeah, it's it's much more than I'm sort of uh, saying, but yeah, no, no, no. So uh, yeah, no, I hadn't seen it, uh, and here we go. Okay, Great. interesting. Uh, looking forward to hearing your thoughts as a mm-hmm. as a as a beginner with true romance uh yeah. Brent, Brensky, what about you how many how many times have you seen true romance oh god, oh god. i've seen it a lot this was not the <laughs> first week that i saw this movie i've seen this movie You've seen this tons times Ugh. yeah multiple <laughs> oh david don't even multiple start. times this movie i like so i didn't three see... <laughs> three dozen uh, yeah maybe I, yeah i'm maybe. with you brent so I did not see this movie in the theater, though, but I, I did see it. It was on video. I saw it, uh, you know, back in my video impact days. It was part of the like onslaught of Tarantino films that me and my pals immediately hunted down after we saw Pulp Fiction. And so, uh, you know, this uh, Reservoir Dogs, like you mentioned, Natural Born Killers was another one, like just a bunch of those movies that all kind of came out relatively around Pulp Fiction, but hadn't seen this in the theater, have definitely seen it over and over again. I mean, this movie, I I probably haven't watched it in 20 years, maybe, but, but watching it again for the podcast, I was like, Oh fuck, dude. Yeah. Like I remember I was like, this movie's rad, dude. Like this movie's so good. So (laughs) Like I was very excited to watch it again. It will immediately go back in rotation. I'm gonna watch this movie oh, no. much more often <laughs> than than I had been. Is it gonna be like a weekly uh, weekly rotation? I don't think it's gonna be weekly, but it definitely is not gonna go 20 years again. That's yeah. for sure, man. Wow. Like it, I'll I'll probably watch this uh, once a year. I was every so, Christmas, like, Christmas Day. It's every be, Christmas it, Day. That's actually time. that's the first yeah. time I saw it. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like it brought back like just a ton of memories and just, I don't know, man. As soon as the, that music picks up at the beginning, like kind of the, the real, like simple score, the, the, I think it's a xylophone, but as soon as that hit, like I had forgotten where that's that, where that music came from. And then it hit and I was like, oh yeah. And then like, it was like a, a rush 
of of memories and everything just kind of all came hitting me and i i have not had this much fun re-watching a movie in a long time it was, i was super stoked wow nice we wow. ended up tripping into this one because i uh yeah me and my what? buddy andy we would talk about that we watched this movie a ton of times together over and over again for sure what? like uh, quotes in this movie like i remember is like oh we used to say that shit all the time all the time so yeah it was what, good what did your what did your kids think about it brent they didn't see it. Oh, this okay. is not a, this is not a good show, watch, dude. We don't even watch, let my we don't even let my kids. Old. No, we don't even <laughs> let my kids watch PG thirteen television. Like it's like oh, we're well, pretty we're pretty. Uh, it's pretty funny over here because I grew up very different. But like we don't we don't let my kids watch a lot of stuff. That's well, uh, your kids are younger. That makes sense, right? I mean, yeah, I don't, they, oh yeah, we don't, yeah, yeah, we don't have to sure. get explicit about their age, but they're not they're not like you know kind of mature like older young kids like they're no but i think kids (laughs) i think if you went to my son's class and asked any of the kids in there if they'd seen star wars or like any of the marvel movies Mm -hmm. most of the kids would say yeah they've seen those my kids haven't seen any of that oh your kids haven't seen the marvel stuff like just Mm -hmm. the action because like you know today like a pg-13 movie could just be the intensity of like action and and violence and stuff so oh okay that's interesting yeah because there's different levels of what a pg-13 type of movie or r-rated movie is right yeah i would uh, i would be more lenient about some stuff but it's like you yeah. know my wife's not a big movie person so like you know we just don't really the kids don't watch a lot of movies just in sure, general sure. so right. which is funny because i watch a ton john is uh was this the 300th time you've watched this movie how many times but what what did you clock this one at this is probably this is probably the 20 20th time 20 something like that <laughs> my, my I'm, whole story, i'm lucky if i've seen star wars 20 times i love that movie <laughs> like, my story is very similar to to brent's here i haven't seen it in yeah probably 20 ish years but i watched it so many times what? through late yeah. high school and college what and i loved it at the time oh, loved no. it I, well, I, David, I, you, you have to understand at this time, like Quentin Tarantino coming onto the scene was like a whole new ball boy. game yeah. with filmmaking, right? As John and I were getting into going to film school, right? Like yeah. he was, he was the hot shit, you know? So like yeah. everything that was associated with him, even like loosely associated shit was like, you were digging through trash bins trying to find, you know, like, <laughs> yeah different movies of his because he wasn't getting a bunch of play beforehand but after pulp fiction dropped man like it was like an avalanche of tarantino it was it was huge absolutely huge and anything that he either touched had a hand in or like walked by (laughs) like you could you know everyone was flocking to those movies and and or like associates of his and movies like things to do in denver when you're dead which is like not Tarantino, but kind of feels like a Tarantino movie. I yeah. think we talked about it actually in our Gross Point Blank episode, which you can hear in our archives at www.reconsideration.com, where we talked about the post-pulp fiction gangster movies, of which that isn't super Tarantino, that movie in particular, but it's amongst that group. Right, so, right. Uh, yeah, but Brent, you're totally right. Like, absolutely huge fallout and and we'll talk about the release of this movie because it's not a big release immediately it's when it hits video later on that it explodes yeah so 
I mean, um, put yourself uh, just for a second, put yourself in, in John and I's shoes. We're two kids, super geeky about movies who also happen to work at a video store, which is what Tarantino happened to do as well. Yeah, we were, right. I, I have to imagine if it was anything like it was for me, we were all over this movie once we, once we were exposed to it. Yeah, I can yeah. see, I can, I mean, there was, yeah, I can understand like when these, when these Tarantino movies were coming, like, you know, they, there's nothing like this, right? Like there's nothing uh, mainstream about the, the about these uh, and then suddenly you're seeing these movies that are taking a whole different you know visceral br- brutal look at things that are very like tarantino-esque very la very kind of violent very like but also like kind of nerdy and then al- yeah. also Meta. like culture yeah but yeah like so i i get it like this didn't exist like this stuff didn't exist right you now and so i'm a i'm the product of like okay, well, 20 years have passed since those yeah, movies came out and like whatever the effect of those movies and influence other filmmakers for me to go back and watch this. I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, but I've already experienced the aftermath. I didn't experience the original. Right. Yeah. So, you know, like, so my reactions are not, are not uh, a good judgment on like, Oh, is this, was this good? Like, of course I'm, I'm, uh, as I'm watching this, I'm like, oh, I kind of get like why this would have been hot shit in the nineties. Like yeah, hundred percent. But <laughs> you know, I think, um, I think, I think the fact that you haven't seen it until now is great. Like it's completely counter to, mm-hmm. to, to John and I, which is, you know, we run into that all the time on the podcast, but this, this is one that this one, this one in particular, I think like for, for myself and I have to assume for John, like was pretty like, instrumental in some of the kind of forming our desire to want to be filmmakers and and like kind of the daydream level of of where we could what we could do and where we could go and you know so it's uh yeah this is uh, i'm i'm excited to hear more of your opinion on on having just seen it yeah i i could totally see someone watching this for the first time now and being like, oh God, like the enough with the references and the style of it is so 90s. And I, I could I could definitely see that being uh, the case. So David, we'll get into specifics as we get there. Yeah. Uh, the first thing I didn't I didn't see this either in the theaters. I I caught it. I caught it, I want to say for the first time, I caught the second half of it, Christmas 95. Oh, at my grandma's house. Uh, it was like, like, you got to check this out. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> they were all, it was like the whole family was eating dinner and I was usually the first one to get out of there and get back to the TV and put on whatever I wanted. And I caught the end of it. And of course, Chris Penn and Tom Sizemore are all over the end of this movie. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they were two of my super favorites at the time. Like it was, we've talked about this before, but it was like them, Michael Bean, Michael Madsen was like my Mount Rushmore of the mid nineties. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so I was like, oh my God, well, I need to track this movie down. And this was the last VHS that I bought from Suncoast before I started working there. So it's got a, you know, you know a, that for sure. That's a special place in history. Well, I remember because I was like, debating about you know i didn't have a lot of money back then as a 15 year old and it was like 20 dollars or 25 dollars and it was like staring at it in the aisle really debating like should i buy it like is it worth that much money i probably should no i shouldn't you know it's back and forth and 
um, this uh, older guy named Ed who worked at Suncoast uh, was like, he like approached me as if I was contemplating stealing it. <laughs> and hey. he, he coached me into buy, eventually buying it. You want to buy a movie? <laughs> He's like, look, what? kid, I don't want to have to call the cops. Why don't you just pony up the cash? <laughs> what movie You're going to you not want? be disappointed with this one. Yeah. You like this one? Okay. Ed was great. Ed was like the old timer at, at Suncoast that he was there before all of us. He was there after all of us left and I'm not sure if he's still around anymore, but I sure he actually, hope he is. <laughs> he actually had a job in that same spot before it turned into Suncoast, whatever it was before. <laughs> it was a it was a candy store, yeah. chocolates. <laughs> um, wait, so actually, that's a question that I never thought of in a video store situation. Could you sell like R-rated movies to minors and shit like that, or did it matter? Back then? Uh, no, you still technically had to check IDs, but I don't think anybody ever did. Right, right, right. It, no, it didn't care. Yeah. Ed Ed sure as hell. He wanted the sale. Give a damn. (laughs) Um, And then on top of that, but right before I bought it, I caught inside the actor's studio with uh, that was with Dennis Hopper, and they talked a lot about the scene between Dennis Hopper and Christopher Walken, and they showed the whole scene. And my God, I was like, yes, I'm. I'm. I couldn't be more in for this movie. Oh my God! Then I bought it, loved it, like absolutely. Loved it. Like it was just under that Reservoir Dogs Pulp Fiction tier because this is officially part of the uh, the QTCU, as we call it, the Quentin Tarantino Cinematic Universe. That's right. What does that mean? Is it, it it's in the same universe as Pulp Fiction or it's the yeah. same universe as Once Upon a Time? In all, the all of them. All of his movies. They're all connected. Yeah. I, I thought some movies existed as movies in the universe. True, but they're still connected to each other. So, yeah, like Alabama. Like she's she's actually they talk about her in Reservoir Dogs, Correct. right? Yeah, Steve oh, really? Shimmy is talking about her in in the I think the diner scene. No, I think it's uh, Har- <clears throat> excuse me, I think it's Harvey Keitel. Oh, okay, okay. So uh, so these yeah. things these events happen in the same world as Reservoir Dogs. Correct. Yeah. So those characters are associated with each other. So in in Tarantino's universe. Alabama and Mr. White have at some point crossed paths. So good to know. Uh, but there's more. I mean, there's a whole bunch of connections, and let's just talk about them right off the bat. Here. Right now, so, okay. Yeah. yeah. So uh, there's a few Inglorious Bastards connections. So Lee Donowitz, played by Saul Rubinek, who's the the movie director uh, right. in the latter half of the movie, is. His character is the son of Donnie Donowitz, who is Eli Roth in oh. *Inglorious Bastards*. <laughs> Shit. Okay. So you've got a you've got a connection there, but also Brad. Supposedly, I don't think Tarantino's actually confirmed this, but supposedly Brad Pitt's <laughs> characters in in this in *Inglorious Bastards* and. Once upon a time in Hollywood are all related to each other. They're all so, in the same lineage. Floyd. <laughs> so Floyd in True Romance would be the son of Cliff in right. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, who's the son of Brad Pitt's character in Inglorious Bastards. All right. All right. Let's just let's just say that's true. I I'd buy it. Why do why they share a it? do why they not? share a last name or do they not? There's there. It's just loose. It's uh, just well in. In true romance, he's just known as Floyd. He's yeah. just Floyd, yeah. Yeah. So the oldest or the youngest of that lineage is Floyd. There's right. no... Yeah. Got it. <clears throat> Got it. And the oldest is Cliff. Yeah. No. Uh, no, the oldest no. is Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious uh, the Yeah. Yeah. 
He was really good in Inglorious Bastards, by the way. Just really he was great. I mean, he's good in everything he does. To be honest, I mean, dude, he's great in this. Yeah, there's nothing. Yeah, oh yeah, he's great in this. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's like you know, there's if Brad Pitt's Con- in a thing, he's Condescend good. Condescend me, man! Like, come <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it gets um, it done. So this is the one of the earliest works from Tarantino, and originally. This was written by Roger Avery and Roger Avery wrote a very different version of this movie who was uh, who worked with Tarantino at Video Archives and was also his writing partner. They co-wrote Pulp Fiction together and and did, I think, a couple of other things. But um, what was his name? Roger Avery. Okay, so his his original script. How many times did the N word show up? Do we do we have a? I don't have a copy of the original script. (laughs) Okay, Um, it might be buried in our archives somewhere, uh, our physical archives. But um, so he had written an early draft of it uh, called Open Road and and very kind of loose version of this and couldn't really finish it. So gave what he had to Tarantino and Tarantino wrote a five hundred page epic that. (laughs) would eventually become both True Romance and Natural Born Killers. So it was one giant script. Both stories kind of merged and tied together um, that eventually got separated. But you can, I mean, you can see similarities yeah, between. I can draw, I oh. can draw, I can draw the lines there. Yeah. So it would have been those two characters in Natural Born Killers in a sense? Like the same? Yeah, it was Mickey, Mickey and Mallory. Mickey and Mallory, yeah. Right. Yeah. They were They were the leads. And then eventually they... After like the prison riot that happens in Natural Born Killers, they go out to L.A. and sort of like part of this movie happens. Got it. So got it's it. sort of they're sort of like stacked on top of each other. But mm. um, and then you've got characters that are, uh, you know, that cross paths in, in Natural Born Killers as well. I don't know if we're going to cover that movie ever on this show, but not one of my I don't recommend I don't know. That. It's a tough it's a tough watch. I don't know if I'm up for watching that again. I was I, thinking I need to rewatch it after rewatch watching. Did that, did that come remakes. out in like 96, 97? 94, I think, I think right oh, before. Yeah. But I think I watched it when I was like, yeah, I think in 95, 96. Couldn't finish it. Shut it off. It's rough. Absolutely, really? absolutely garbage. The, direct, <laughs> the director's cut is even rougher. I mean, it's, oh my it's God. Some, <laughs> no, yeah. thanks. I don't, I don't know, I, guys. There's some pretty cool scenes in there. I love that scene in, cool. when Woody Harrelson is giving the interview to. Robert Downey Jr. and like he's talking about it and then right before the jailbreak and they cut in with the rage against the machine dude that scene is great like I mean granted the movie is like it's a hard pill to swallow for sure like it's very graphic and it's very uncomfortable but there's a lot of scenes in there where it's like really well crafted and sure like yeah I mean as far as far as i'm concerned yeah no i mean it's not it's not like the whole thing it, it, you know it, there's there's things to like about everything like uh but no if you guys want to cover that i will sit that episode out <laughs> david's just gonna sit in silence while i'm not watching recording. i i protest that i'm not watching that movie again <laughs> to cover enough. it we'll, we'll keep it off the list you guys can watch it do a, do a christmas episode do uh <laughs> you guys can is that christmas. is that a christmas movie it's not. It, probably, road trip. it probably is we're gonna do a road trip month and that'll be just one of the road trip. Things. Yeah, there you go. Um, so Tarantino coming off of uh, Reservoir Dogs, it's, you know, he's becoming the indie darling. He's the the darling of Miramax. He's the darling of Sundance that 
He's, you know, this hot young writer and mostly he's writing and selling scripts at this point while he's trying to figure out, you know, what's the next project he's going to do. Apparently he was, he was offered movies like speed as wow. the follow-up to reservoir dogs. Imagine, imagine he did not do Pulp Fiction and did speed instead. And Tarantino's speed. That'd be something. <laughs> what would that, what would the world have turned into without Pulp Fiction? Well, how different would speed have been? True. Yeah. You know, we still have Dennis Hopper in both. I mean, good chance. There's a good chance. I like yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd watch a Tarantino version of Speed. Sure. I don't think you'd have Keanu Reeves as the lead. I'd be morbidly curious to see Tarantino taking on anything that is just like mainstream. But like, what about you Star know, Trek? Like, well, like him doing a Star Trek movie. I'm like, I'm, I'm like grossly curious what that would be. But yeah. I'm not like, I wouldn't be excited about that. <laughs> like, It'd be like reading his fan fiction of of him doing, you know, the Federation versus Klingons and everyone somehow calling each other racial racial slurs and, you know, like just lots of like high heeled boots, like stabbing into people or something. I mean, (laughs) I assume assume there'd be a lot of like a lot of a lot of a lot of kicks into the into the groin, (laughs) the high heel. That's my I don't know. I don't know. That's your that's your take. That's the hot take. All that's, right. I mean, it's 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 reductive, but that yeah, no, I think that's that's pretty much what that would be. <laughs> well, back in '92, he's uh, he's mostly just selling these scripts. He's got True Romance out there. He's got Natural Born Killers out there. He's got From Dusk Till Dawn out there, um, all of which have a lot of similarities to each other. If you read. If you ever can, and I'm sure they're online somewhere, but if you track down the like early versions of the scripts that you can absolutely see some of these characters crossing over to each other. And let me be really clear. I love from dust till dawn. And I think it's, I think it's amazing. I think everyone, and it's great. I think the script is like disgustingly awesome. I love that movie. Yeah. Oh, we're, we are. There's fucking vampires in it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's not an entire it's not an entire like city full of, of psychotic people. There's there's vampires. They're psychotic. Right. <laughs> Human right. beings being psychotic to each other and brutal. I can't handle it. Obviously. Can't handle it, but the vampires give it you Fuck know. Yeah. They some paint are... a different picture. Yeah. <laughs> so, I get it. Some and like I don't know I don't know what it is, but I mean I mean geez, how like and Tarantino as an actor in that movie? Fantastic. <laughs> like I just I I adore him in that movie. I adore <laughs> yeah. him. I like and and to be truthful, I like him anything that he appears in. I think like when he shows up in his own movies or whatever, I think that's fun. Like I I I think he's very charming. I think he's super smart. I think he's like he's just he knows he knows how to say things that other people aren't saying. Like I get Tarantino as like a you know as a screenwriter and like what he's doing. Um, you know, like I I I think he's. He's super talented. I really enjoy like uh, the artistry of what he does, the poetry of it. Yeah, um, you know, well, and and even including this movie that we're talking about for sure. Well, especially you know, think back to the early '90s. Like there was nothing like this out there. No, you no, know, yeah. his his dialogue, his whole style. Um, yeah. You know, the the way he put the entire package together. It just all the pop culture references. Like that just wasn't. It wasn't done and it was so fresh and different. I think they knew that he was going to really have a major, major impact depending on what his next uh, directorial project was. But this was um, this it's it's interesting, this movie, how it's 
split sort of right down the middle that it feels a hundred percent like a Tarantino movie, but it also feels like a Tony Scott movie. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it looks, it, it's this weird mixture where it feels like each of their movie, even though it's, I don't know. I don't feel like either can claim full ownership of it at the same time. No, but I think it's kind of a great combination. You know, I mean, I think it's because of that combination that you got the movie that you did. Like, I mean, definitely the dialogue is quick witted and it's sharp, just like Tarantino would be, but you know, kind of the grit and, and uh, just some of the filmmaking and, and look of the movie, you know, is very like Tony Scott and, and, and his style, you know, and I think, I think, it kind of helps uh, them being paired together just kind of helps sell the whole package. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Tony Scott at the time is like one of the biggest directors in Hollywood. I mean, he Beverly Hills cop Two, top gun days of thunder, last boy scout. Shit. I mean, big, big movies. He's at the peak of his career, really. I mean, all the way through the nineties, but uh yeah, I don't know that visual is his style is such a visual like his visual style is very frenetic, which does pair well with Tarantino's frenetic uh, dialogue and yep. pacing of, of, of the story. Like This movie goes like like um, like 100 miles an hour the yeah, whole way through. Like there's yeah. no time to breathe. It's just boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Um, and and no, not a lot of. uh emotional reaction to like what's happening which we'll talk more about shortly um tarantino sold the script for i, I believe it was about fifty thousand dollars so Sweet. yeah did did i i thought i read somewhere that he sold this for fifty thousand and used that money to make reservoir dogs yeah i, I don't know if, i i'm not sure if that's a hundred percent correct okay based on the timeline but right it could have been yeah um and, you know, he writes this Clarence Worley character played by Christian Slater, who is, I mean, that is Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Like that yeah. is the, the embodiment of Tarantino. That's, that's, I think his vision of himself. Right. Like that's not, yeah. Like yeah. Tarantino wasn't going out and killing people, but the whole like substitute, you know, a video store clerk for a comic book guy kind of longing for connection with, with, a girl who gets his geekiness, mm -hmm. um, you know, and yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, the Kung Fu, you know, the love for Kung Fu, the love for Elvis, uh, which by the way, I'm just going to admit it. Like I'm not an Elvis guy. Are you guys Elvis, Elvis guys? I'm fucking Elvis. <laughs> what constitutes being an Elvis guy? Like, do you love Elvis? I Presley? don't fantasize in the bathroom while I'm washing my face. Elvis is back behind me, giving me like, pointers on how to conquer life but i like i like me some elvis music it's cool i'll put it on sometimes and just like chill and listen yeah elvis, I use? elvis is fine he was dead before i was born i don't know he's fine <laughs> i never i i just never I got the elvis like the the, yeah. the passion that people have to this day like diehard elvis fans it's just i don't know his his he never did it for me i feel Is like i'm like in the minority though he was like the first true super rock star, right? Like totally. I, and I respect that. And I, I get why people love him. I just, it just, he never did anything for me at all. Hey man, it was all about his hip shake. Yeah. He, he stole rock and roll from the black man and made it popular <laughs> and changed the world. Like, you know, and it was, a, it was, it was a cultural phenomenon, you know? Um, 
that everyone latched onto. All I know uh, about Elvis, I learned from Kurt Russell. That's that's about it. There you go. Um, that's I'll, oh, go ahead. Oh no, you're good. Well, I was gonna say I wasn't I wasn't tracking it, but like in the first scene where Elvis, you know, is uh, talking to him uh, for a second, I honestly thought I was like, wait, is Brad Pitt playing Elvis? Mm. And it it took it really took me a while to realize, oh wait, that's not no, he sound he kind of is, it's kind of Brad Pitt, but no, it's Val Kilmer. I didn't yeah I didn't track it um, right away. But because uh, I knew, of course, Brad Pitt in the movie, right? Oh yeah, but, yeah. but I thought, did he do Who's a dual role? Did he do? Fl- that's the thing. Oh yeah, like there's so many people in this movie. Well, 93. that's a, our our segment later is going to be who's not who's in, in this, this movie. movie. Yeah, <laughs> who's not in this movie? It's Tom Hanks to not in the movie. <laughs> yeah, Meg Ryan not in the movie. Everyone yep. else in it. Everybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. This cast is enormous and and we're going to go through every single one of them david go through that we're going to we're going to talk about the two movies they did before that this movie and the two movies they did after it and like yeah just we'll just spend an hour and change on that we'll put time codes in the in the (laughs) description so you guys can just skip (laughs) skip to the parts you want to listen to (laughs) um all right well we're talking about it now so this endless list of stars both like major at the time and people who would become big stars later it's really incredible this may be the like biggest name cast that i can really recall in one single movie what about i mean look copland's pretty up there which had most of these guys in it yeah there's still not half of them just i mean i i think you hit it on the head john it's the combination of both right like it's major stars at the time and it's people that were right on the cusp, but, but didn't really know. I mean, like, I mean, obviously we've talked about Brad Pitt, but like Sam Jackson in this, is in this for like a split second, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, I know this is after Sid and Nancy. So Gary Oldman was definitely like getting recognized, but he certainly hadn't become, you know, a, as like a household name as, as he, as he has, I don't think. Right. Well, well, Dracula had come out. Oh, it um, had. Okay. But the professional Which was had his first, that was mm. like, I guess his first, Dracula was the big one, right? Yeah, yeah. That was the first like major, major movie. Yeah. And and this is Tarantino's first major studio movie. Um, and I think, you know, with his dialogue that you, it's easy to get actors to like line up for to play these kinds of characters. They're all, you know, most of them are very small roles. They're they're some of them are just a, really a cameo. <laughs> But, uh, you know, after seeing Reservoir Dogs, I can imagine every actor in Hollywood would want to line up for his next movie. And that, yeah. you know, like we talked about before, the, you just you didn't see that kind of dialogue um, around at the time. So it, it makes a lot of sense how it wasn't too hard to get a lot of these people uh, yeah. to show up here. But yeah, like Sam Jackson's in it for he's got like two lines. Yeah. Split <laughs> second. Blink and miss him. Yeah. yeah. Even, even Gary Oldman who this is an amazing performance by him and one of his career best performances in a huge career. Uh, You know, it's seeing him in this, seeing him in this got me missing some of those old, like some of the old characters that he's done, you know, like I just, I feel like a lot of his more, I don't know if this is entirely accurate, but I just don't, I don't know. It just didn't hit me the same way. His newer stuff doesn't hit me the same way as, as like Drexel, you know, like that's just like such a great character. Well, you know, as he's older now, I don't think he's taking, you know, chances on such extreme characters as he would, Yeah, you know, Dracula, this professional fifth element, 
like very kind of all over the place with those characters. Yeah. Now he's a little more straightforward, but still amazing actor, but. We have a seat, boy. We have a sofa egg roll. We got everything here from a little eye Joe to damn if I know. Yeah, Drexel. David, what's your what's your thoughts on the Drexel character having a have that what age you for think? you? What do you think? I mean, I don't think any of us think that's a, a well-aged character. Yeah, that's um, but he's really committed. Like he he had that sort of uh Seth Green vibe from uh uh can't hardly wait. Yeah, like, yeah, like and not with, not not in the cartoonish way, but like he was just he was yeah. right there that that imitation kind of white boy kind of at, uh, attitude. But he was a hundred percent committed. Like, yeah, he wouldn't. He it, there there's no off switch for him. So, yeah, that was I I, I looking at, in the, in today's context. I don't even understand it. Like I don't get it. But uh, yeah. Otherwise, yeah. I mean, that's an it's an interesting character, and well, again, like everyone else, has interesting dialogue, and great, good scenes, like. But yeah, the the obsession with um, race with Tarantino has always been, yeah. I, I don't want to say interesting to me, but it's I don't know, it, it's a tough side of Tarantino that, and and I, it's amazing that he's kind of gotten away with it all this time that he doesn't really get called out on, on using the N word and the way he treats people and his obsession with, you know, with certain black people. And then here you've got a, a, a white person who thinks he's black. And uh, you know, it, it's, I, I I'm shocked that in, in today's age where, you know, people are getting called out on their shit, whether it's race or sexual, uh, you know, things that, he has not been called out by anybody and is supported by a lot of people too. You know, I mean, obviously he's helped make the career of Sam Jackson and the resurgence for Pam Greer and a lot of other people. And But is it all just in an effort for him to create the, the world, you know, like I don't think he's doing like any of these things in the movies to like, they're not, they're not, supposed to be satirical or they're not supposed to be you know i mean they're they're not poking fun they're just like i think all in an effort to continue to create the world that he's he's built right and so i mean do you think that's why people let it slide or uh i yeah i i guess so it's it's hard to say i mean yeah it, it is it's part of the universe it's not necessarily his uh, personal beliefs. I don't know if he, like, I, I don't think he actually feels that way, but I don't, you know, we'll have to call him and ask him, but yeah. um, I mean, cause like I, I have to, you know, and I mean like the Drexel character. Yeah. I guess to your point, it doesn't age well, but I didn't really find it that offensive either. You know, like I just felt like this is a hardcore character that, you know, he's a big time drug dealer growing up in the drug dealer world. You know what I mean? Like I just, didn't really i don't know like but maybe it's because i'm i've seen it so many times yeah. and i just you know like maybe it just doesn't hit me the same way well but i was I, more offended by the the use of the n-word in the in the, in the walk and walk and yeah scene. yeah i agree i think that took oh, me out a little bit up. <laughs> i think that scene is still fucking awesome but like for sure that like the language there definitely took me out yeah. Like it, it was, it made me cringe at, at certain points for sure. Yeah. 
I think, I mean, I listen, I think it, there's, it's not like a, a white screenwriter can't be, can't create a character that isn't racist and can't be explicit. And I think there's got to be something to the fact that like, he's pointing out that people like this exist cat. They're casual right. in their language. They are explicit in their hatred. They, they, their, their minor slurs are just easy derogatory ways to say, you know, it's a shorthand to their biases and, and, and their racism and all that. So, I mean, it's not like Tarantino. I, I, it, it's, it's easy for me to make a joke of like how everyone, you know, it's just always at the N word is like his favorite word and whatever, but there's gotta be something to, you know, especially if you consider the entire body of his work, like what I, I don't, I don't have the full scope of what, what he's, mm-hmm. what he would be trying to say about white people and their racism in in america and and over you know what 150 years like in terms of like the timing of his movies you know yep so it's i don't know if like so it's not like oh well he shouldn't be able to do that but the people that act in his movies you know that it's not like they're just taking a paid gig you know you wouldn't have the talent and the black talent in those movies that you would if it was just a paycheck and, and you have these kind of characters and the characters are dealing with. So I don't know what it is. It's, but it is, you know, the N word is unsettling when you hear it legitimately used. And part of that is what I think you see in all these movies is like, no, this, if you're not paying attention, this is what you would, you'd be hearing, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, if you are rather, if you were paying attention, this is what you'd hear. This is, mm-hmm. this is what you're, uncle says this is how this is how your 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 grandfather talks this is how your neighbors talk this is how the cops talk um and how they feel so i mean i don't know it's for him to be the guy to do it it's it's weird but i i think you need a white person to maybe show that a little bit but it's you know if if uh, uh, Jordan Peele made the movie, made a movie like this, and and all that. You know, it'd be like, oh, well, why, why is he gotta, why is he gotta paint all these white people as racist? <laughs> like, right. and whereas the the heroes of this movie are race, you know, inherently racist, but they're not. That's not the, what they're all about. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. that's that. I don't know. I think that's the weird thing of like, how much can a, a white creator? show these things legitimately and i think probably in the 90s it was necessary if if that's what he's trying to go for i don't know yeah uh well i mean either way the performance especially by gary oldman is like top notch i mean yeah yeah it's it's so good kills it what uh just switching gears what what do were you guys christian slater fans back then never stopped being a fan never stopped all gleaming the cube, gleaming the cube, H- hard rain, the, the legend of Billy Jean, yeah, Robin Hood, Star Heather's... Trek Six, Star Trek Six. I'm in. There you go. He's got a cameo in there. I, I remember that as I'm watching the opening of the movie. I'm like, wait a minute, he was in a Star Trek movie. He's talking about Bill Shatner. Yeah. Did you say Robin Hood, Prince of the Prince, of, whatever that Prince one of is? Yeah. Prince of Thieves. Okay. Oh, so good in that. Yeah, Slater was big time. Cuffs, right? Remember Cuffs. Cuffs. I saw that in the theater. <laughs> yeah. For, for no, he was birthday. a dude. Slater was huge, man. Yeah, yeah, he was, all day, uh, every day. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, w- I was, I was a big fan. Like between this and Pump Up the Volume, again, another one that me and my buddy Andy volume. watched 
a thousand times probably. Yeah. Um, you know, like he Slater was a big, he was a big reoccurring person in a lot of the movies that, that I watched a bunch as a kid. Yeah. Heather's too. Just, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, a big, I guess, you know, big star at the time and, and he still is, he's still doing stuff and, yeah. Um, it Same feels like he went away for a little a little while here he, like 10 15 he did. years ago i feel like mr robot like kind of opened the door back up for him yeah. like he started to kind of show back up again you know like after after that but yeah i think there was like i think there was a little bit of a oversaturation and then he became kind of again i don't think broken arrow did him any favors i think that's kind of like where he started mm-hmm. to to slide a little bit yeah. in my in my opinion but uh, he may have been hanging on for longer than that, and and I just wasn't. A- yeah, there's periods of career breaking in. I guess was that show on Fox for two seasons? Oh yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Uh, something like that. You know, like I think I watched a little. I watched a little bit of that, and it's like you know, I'll watch something with Christian Slater. Christian Slater, he he showed up on The Office in a in a cameo. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's just uh, what, he's this guy. Come on. I I was a fan of Very Bad Things. Loved that movie and loved. Mm. Slater in it mm-hmm. uh, but yeah mm-hmm. to me he was always I, I always liked him but he always seemed like a younger more hyper Jack Nicholson oh yeah for sure, for sure like yeah. he has that Jack kind of voice and kind of vibe the eyebrows yeah yeah but a lot more a lot more um, I don't know a lot more just a lot more energy than than Jack seems seems or had at the time so right uh, but yeah, I think that was really solid casting. Same thing with Patricia Arquette. I, I, you know, wasn't like the biggest Patricia Arquette fan, but I think the thing I knew her most from was Nightmare on Elm Street three at this point. Yeah. I'm I, just, I would I, agree. There has to be something she's, she did other things, but that was what stuck out for me. Yeah. But I think she's badass in this. Like she is. She's, oh, yeah. she's kick-ass dude. She's sort like of when her and James Gandolfini go after it, man. Like that scene is fucking rough dude yeah and she like she's such a badass like taking him down in in the end but holy crap dude like getting getting there is brutal yeah Yeah, that is uh that's hardcore but before we get to that scene let's talk about mr walken and mr hopper so yeah two you know of the greatest actors especially at that point in time uh just sharing the screen together and just just like let them go just let them dude yeah the little cat and mouse they have going on in this in this scene is just like it's honestly one of the best scenes in this whole movie for me i mean again the dialogue is rough at to to get through but like just the the stuff that's going on and how they're kind of playing with each other i mean i'll take this over over uh De Niro and Pacino and Heat. Ooh. Which I, I agree. think is another one that 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 gets a lot of like people love it and it's a great scene. It's the first scene. It's a big scene. It's a big deal in in film history. That's a big one. But I like man this one plays out. I like this a lot. I like this a lot. Yeah, the, the, I think you nailed it with the cat and mouse uh comparison that that just they're they're kind of jabbing back and forth with each other and and playing with each other and it's just it's kind of a fun scene in that right. from that respect well it's fun but you know it's gonna be bad like you it's like yeah you, it's 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 fun with an obvious dark 
undertone and you know that it's leading to bad things, but like it's, they keep up this charade for as long as possible until, until they don't. Yeah. And it's, it's just, yeah. Yeah. You know, there's no way out for Hopper, but um, you know, and, and he had had such a career comeback that we talked about in our Hoosiers episode and uh, you know, between blue velvet and Hoosiers getting him back on track and, and just having solid performance after solid performance. And then after this, he becomes sort of the, like villain of the nineties it's like what water world and oh, yeah. speed and boiling point and super mario brothers right he's the villain in that <laughs> isn't he yeah <laughs> like okay maybe all right slow it down a bit but uh but such a great actor here and and you know he's only another both of these guys walking as the one scene in the movie obviously would continue on with tarantino mm-hmm. hopper uh you know has basically three scenes in the movie, but less than probably 15 minutes. And I was surprised that Hopper never kind of went back with Tarantino. It seems like he'd be totally one of Tarantino's guys. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I totally would have seen him in Reservoir Dogs somewhere. Right. right if it wasn't like Keitel. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, no, you just never yeah, made, made it back in. I, 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 yeah, that scene is like, that two like really good professional just you know hardened actors just doing their shit together it's yeah really great really great together a little little bit of improv there most of it's scripted Mm -hmm. but just Mm -hmm. you know the eggplant line followed by the cantaloupe line was off off script so off script yeah because you your part Eggplant. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> You're a cantaloupe. Do you find it weird that Walken doesn't show up anywhere else in the movie? Like, I mean, I get why. You should have, right? <laughs> well, you'd think at a certain point, right? Because all the other cronies, like I get he sends Gandolfini out to LA to, to hunt him down. But when that guy doesn't reply and everybody's like, you know, gearing up to go for the big, the big shootout at the end. Like, I'm surprised he's not in there somewhere, you know, like he's yeah. just, you, yeah. You would think in the world of the story that he would have been leading that mission out somewhere, to, right? To LA, but yeah, you know, because I, like I, you think, okay, maybe he's just a kind of a top, a top guy, but why would he go to, to Hopper's place? And then not, I, I yeah, that kind of caught me this time. I was like, I wonder why he's not. Well, originally there was, you know, he works, he's like the underboss for a guy, a character named Lou Lou Boyle. Yeah. Lou Lou Boyle. Yeah. And originally that character was supposed to be in the movie and was going to be played by Robert De Niro. Oh, really? So, and then what happened? I I think eventually it was just, they just removed the character. So, okay. So they never filmed anything and cut it. It was just, there was, (laughs) what's that, David? I was gonna say, so De Niro, like the De Niro character, you know, Lula Boyle is supposed to be the big, heavy presence, and then his his uh, secondary is Christopher Walken, who's his big presence, and then he's not really in the movie after that, and then it's right, just a right. bunch of thugs. Uh, yeah, like there, there, I think there is a piece missing, at least even just him 
benefiting or whatever after at the end of the the climax or something just just yeah. something it would have just made sense for his character to be there uh, or find get some give give us something else with him but well right because at the end when they you know after everything's done like they go off to their they they go off to the sunset but like you yeah. have to imagine like the mafia guys they're still yeah, they didn't kill all the mafia. <laughs> yeah, you right. know. Right. So, well, yeah, that's so that's the thing. There's like there's so then there's this mob these this mob presence in Detroit still and then they make their way to Mexico and then I mean, not like it's setting up a sequel like in, per, in uh, like per, like per, uh purposely, but like maybe that's the idea of like, well, you know, they're this is just this one story and this yeah. is what these people do. And if it was something to be revisited, like you have something there, you have like, you have Walken and his boss and you have them like living their life. You, you could continue this story feasibly if you, if you wanted, but it's not, that's not the point. Mm-hmm. Right. I guess. So, yeah, I just missed him after, after having such a good scene at the front, it would have been cool to see yeah. another scene somewhere. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. I don't think there's any like I can't remember if there's any deleted scenes with him either. I I think this was it, and but it does in a way it it makes this scene even more special that this is like this is your one shot with them. So, well, I get it. Like it also it also adds to the fact that you know like the two powerhouse actors there are doing, they're having their duel, and you don't want to lessen that by him popping up later. You know, Mm -hmm. like let it let it let it weigh heavy, right? But you know walking's great so yeah um then uh so what do you think about the the whole val kilmer as uh, an unseen val kilmer as this elvis character who is a figment of clarence's imagination maybe is clarence a little bit a little bit psychotic <laughs> as, as we we learn more oh. and more about him but in the fairy tale world elvis is his like fairy godfather right like, i guess he's... yeah 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 He's there, but yeah, he's definitely he's definitely on the brink of a psychotic break. I like that he goes faceless and it's Val Kilmer because I think that that adds to the kind of clout of the movie, you know, like mm-hmm. the yeah. fact that they have Val Kilmer, who at the time is a very big and popular actor and they don't even show his face. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. you got to have some confidence in your in your shit to, to pull that move. So yeah. I, I, I love it, but but uh yeah and like, definitely... how do you how do you sell that to val kilmer you know we were just on the doors you know <laughs> like hey right. i want you to be in this i want you to be in my movie but we're not going to show you at all and you're not even going to get credited i mean i think does he i can't remember if he got no, he, actual, gets, he, he, he had an credit. opening he had an opening as, credit okay yeah, yeah yeah so as yeah I uh, I think you don't tell him. Yeah, you just do it, and you just we're gonna wait. shoot this. Say, don't hey, worry. By the way, move. artistic. We took an artistic turn with your character, and we went this route. Well, because they show him in all the like in the posters and and like the the ads for the you know not not the trailer but the um oh really like print ads like his, you, his yeah yeah face you is see all him. Over I re- I remember oh. I remember I even think in the trailer like you see his. I think they show a shot of of him as Elvis in in the trailer. Yeah, uh, like wow. where it's clear. Yeah, so they must have shot it. So like, yeah, just and then coming. Maybe they came to that conclusion of like maybe Tarant- 
like or like Tony Scott was just like, yeah, we don't need to see him. It gets to be nebulous. Right. Yeah. Oh, but weird. Clarence's character is just, I mean, this dude creates so much havoc and chaos with like little regard for anything that happens behind him or any He's bit the- of feeling for any other characters other than Alabama. Other than Alabama, he, he I mean, I would not want him making any decisions. On my I wouldn't behalf. want him anywhere near me. Yeah, this guy is. Yeah, he's I mean, bad he gets news. So many people killed in this movie because of him and his, yep. you know, like greed. Like he didn't even have to go after Drexel. Right. No, you know, he he picked that fight, accidentally stole the drugs, didn't mean to, but then was dumb enough to leave his ID laying around. Like, yeah. Gets yeah. His dad, right now, gets his dad like, oh, killed. No. Gets yeah. like everybody in LA killed. <laughs> yeah. It's like, wow, this, uh, this dude is, is wild, but I don't remember. Did, did, did Dick Ritchie die? Did he get shot? No, he, he ran survived. out. I was, he ran I was... Out, right. I just couldn't remember if yeah, uh, Dick Ritchie and Floyd, they make it. Yeah. yeah. Good. They so yeah, Dick Ritchie gets to make his call time the next day. Uh, I think it was a good question. Who um, survived? Because it is a massacre. There's so oh, much totally. brutality and, and violence in this movie. It's just, which is par for the course of. I thought. Know, I thought the, the reason I ask is because I thought watching it this time when we got there, I always remember that he did get shot, like while he was running out, like he just mm-hmm. took a bullet like a, a stray bullet that was flying around but um but yeah i mean when i watch i watch it this time i was like oh that didn't happen why did i always think that that happened so well there there is an alternate ending where he where he does die oh okay wow. yeah. oh, maybe which, i've seen that somewhere you might have seen it it was on the dvd so okay that might um, be the case yeah there's there's an alternate kind of downer ending and now is that everyone where, where clarence there's... also dies uh yeah well clarence dies and she she survives and it's yeah. like the same ending just minus him yeah oh but but also michael rapaport dies no he li- he still lives he always oh, lives. that's what, always. yeah that's what i was saying i thought oh I always dick thought that, yeah yeah that dick ritchie died dick ritchie. But, but yeah no. nope nope he, he always destined he always live. lived yeah <laughs> um but yeah, that- yeah the violence in this movie i mean <sighs> It didn't bother me so much when I was younger. Now watching it, like, whoa, this is just a tremendous amount of really intense, brutal violence. I mean, these fights are just really gory, um, intense, uh, especially the, you know, let's talk about the Gandolfini, um, Patricia Arquette sequence. That's, uh, you know, uh, this was, I think, the first big movie that i saw gandolfini in who of course is one of my all-time favorites i'm a huge huge sopranos fan and yep. uh you know and but it's this scene that ends up getting him the sopranos oh really yeah okay makes sense that this was the scene that they pitched of like okay can can this guy handle I mean, the intensity he's no fucking around i mean he is fierce He's terrifying. Yeah. In this scene. Yeah. yeah. Terrifying is a good way to put it. You know? Yeah. Um, but you can feel, you know, we've, we've talked about it before, but Tarantino's uh, issues with women, let's just say, 
the way he he portrays women, the way he, um, you know, things that happen to them in in a lot of his movies. He's you know, it happens in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, especially tremendous amount of violence yeah. to women. That's just just again, just for me, just does not play uh, and is really hard to watch. And you've got, you know, even on some of it's on Tony Scott with this one that you've got these close ups of her breasts with blood you know just kind of like heaving yeah. in the fight like why do you need that why did you do that yeah i mean it's a little much i mean the, i think you know like ultimately the the payoff is that she beats him and like it shows you like kind of how tough and how big a survivor she really is and it makes you kind of wonder like what other shit she's been through right you know but like she's like she's definitely um you know, she's like an equal match for, for, you know, Clarence, right? Like Clarence goes through, you know, he's got that brutal fight with, with Drexel earlier on in the, in the show. And granted, like this one is painted much differently because it's, you know, I mean, like freaking Gandolfini's like a mountain of a human and she's tiny and he's just like tossing her around. Like when he throws her into the shower and like all that broken glass, like, yeah. Fuck, dude. Like, it's just like, good God. Yeah, it's but, rough. I mean, he's beaten the shit out of her. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's tough. That's a t- definitely a tough watch. But it's like, I mean, I think it proves, you know, to me, like the point is it proves how tough she is and that she's she's equal with with Clarence and like they are a good like match to get like they're in this together. Right. Like mm-hmm. she could have very easily said it's under the bed and she would, she was like, I'm not ratting my man out, you know, like I'm going to take this and I'm fucking badass enough to like take this friggin' ogre down and, and, you know, like, you know, yeah. beat him. And so like, I mean, it's definitely hard to, to, to watch, but it's like, I think it's a really powerful kind of like, um scene really like ultimately absolutely yeah and and for for Gandolfini as well I'm you know I've I listened to all of the Sopranos podcasts and I've read all the books <laughs> I know you know a, a tremendous amount about that show and the making of it and he had you know a couple of scenes where he gets rough with women in the Sopranos and how much of a struggle that was for him to find that place to to get to that level and shoot those scenes was tremendously difficult for him and i can only assume it was the same here that emotionally as a human very very hard to to find that character and how you know to to do that and and when you shoot these scenes it's like usually with with all fight scenes like this a lot of times it's the person being beaten who's sort of like leading the way you know, like when someone's being choked, it's like it's the actor pushing into the other actor's hands till till the point that they're you know comfortable with. It's not like the other actor actually like strangling. So you know, and and when you're when you're putting these and choreographing them, it's the person being beaten who's kind of like uh, sets the tone of like what is okay for to do. You know, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think this was probably tough for him, but uh, definitely a standout scene. This is yeah. one of the when I think about the movie, like this is one of those scenes that just comes to mind. Yeah, this scene reminded me a lot for I don't know if this time around for whatever reason, like it, 
I feel like there's a lot of similarities with this scene in in some ways as there is in Reservoir Dogs, like the Michael Madsen scene with the with the cop and the mm-hmm. and like the ear scene. Like it's just you know there's one person who's obviously like got all the power, and you know even though in in this one you know she she ends up winning, it's just like that kind of toying with the person at first and like just you know just this cruel like psychotic kind of like violence. violent side to the characters you know yeah uh yeah yeah it's uh and there's you know and then (laughs) even more violence uh at the at the end with our end scene with uh, this this mexican standoff shootout you know galore here at the end like this is a massive uh amount of destruction and it is it is. I love the feathers, man. Like this time around watching it, I was like, dude, I think the feathers add so much to this scene. Like, it's just like, there's a constant movement, but it's like this soft pillowy down. That's just kind of Raining. coming down while yeah. all this like pain and bullets and death and violence is going on. And meanwhile, you've just got this snow, like this kind of snowy, feather effect happening and it's i the juxtaposition there is just like i think it's really like kind of stunning uh, clearly uh lee donowitz uh loves goose down and, oh, yeah he does you know <laughs> uh but you know the the group of actors too in in the this part of the movie you know saul rubinek is great as supposedly lee donowitz is is uh, you know based on joel silver um, although Rubinek didn't play it that way, but it was sort of written and directed as, uh, as if that was Joel Silver, who, who I think produced last boy scout with Tony Scott. And it didn't, I think there was, uh, they weren't on the friendliest of terms for a while there, but, mm-hmm. um, but he's great. Bronson Pinchot. I mean, Bronson Pinchot. Well done. Fantastic. Yeah, right. Yeah. He's brilliant in this. Yeah. He's so good. <laughs> He's he's exactly perfect, and, and he's not that cartoonish kind of character you would expect. Sort of, of known being known as Balky or just yep. what's his name from Beverly Hills Cop and, mm-hmm. and, and all that stuff. Like, no, just plays it really straight. Like, I mean, you know, Bronson Pinchot, great actor. Like, yeah, like, like just he he just plays this kind of like the the exact character of just sort of the uh, deferential and and just sort of the 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 pawn and all of it. Like, just the he's the he's just way in way over his head <laughs> like just yeah complete right. coward and just like okay like you know it totally works and so giving uh giving uh madsen and uh uh what's his face uh the and, and chris penn you know did told it to bully him into to being this guy like i just i i love that i think it was that was a lot that that had a, a little bit of levity to me that i i to the movie that i i enjoyed yeah, yeah, and they're seen uh, with with Penn and Sizemore and Bronson Pinchot. Or Sizemore. I said Madsen because they're, the they're, they're, <laughs> they're the same guy. They're yeah. literally the same person. <laughs> um, Michael Madsen and... was great in Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. <laughs> but uh, they uh, sorry. are. Sorry, Tom Sizemore. You're very good. He's not going to forgive you for that. Um, Don't let him know I said that. The, their scenes together, a lot of that was uh, you know more improv dialogue. Oh, okay. So, which yeah. was kind of fun. Like, I don't know. They're just 
they're yeah. good as those kind of characters you know there's a great energy in the 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 interrogation scene and all yeah. that stuff with them yeah. and then you know later on when you know they're just listening to pin show on a uh, on the radio it's uh yeah good stuff yeah you're an actor act motherfucker oh man i like this Clarence kid this fucking guy's crazy we got a got a young Kevin Corrigan in there, dude. Yeah, like, playing. Mad oh, Dog. is that Kevin Corrigan? Yeah, I yeah. was like, well, that from, guy looks familiar. From yeah. Community, from Holy Community, shit. like super bad American gangster. He was in a Good bunch fellas. of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I think I know that guy, but hey, wow, I didn't place him as Kevin. There's Corrigan. a lot of familiar faces in those gangsters. Frank Adonis, yep. a lot of guys Adonis, yeah. show up in the Scorsese stuff or the Sopranos somewhere, and um, yeah. yeah, it's uh just that that's there's so many good actors in that room in that shootout at the end and yeah. just, just chaos and and my heart was broken for the first time when i watched it and and sizemore is like the first one to get shot yeah or one of the first and then it's like oh at least chris penn made it and then yeah boom right at the end he he gets it from alabama i thought yeah i thought he was gonna make it all the way to the end <laughs> and she took him out like oh. uh, but yeah, yeah. A brutal, brutal, brutal scene uh, with all that. Uh, it's so chaotic. And and yeah, when it, it when it escalates, when the monsters just show up like, it, yeah, like, OK, well, this is a cartoon now. Like, this is crazy. What's going to happen here? And uh, it, I, I was surprised that. Uh, yeah, what only so only Alabama, only Dick and Clarence Ritchie. and yeah. Dick Ritchie survive. Like, they all, yeah, yeah. So. Um, and then, you know, but, but Clarence is shot, you know, or, or like nicked at the, yeah. uh, at the end and they kind of like limp out of the hotel because Frank Adonis is downstairs, got somebody hostage. And I was listening to the dialogue with him, What mm-hmm. he's like demanding like a million dollars in small, but like, what are you doing, dude? Yeah. He wants a plane. He's just like, he's out. Like, in the what open. are you like, talking about, man? Like, you're not getting out of here. Yeah. <laughs> but they use that distraction to get out and, and that's how they end up surviving. But uh, yeah, just so much chaos and death and all these, and not that they're all like good quote unquote people, but uh, you know, did all of them deserve to die because of Clarence? I don't know. Clarence is pretty, uh, pretty messed up dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All, I mean, all of this kind of happened just because, again, like you said earlier, like Clarence, for whatever reason, felt compelled to, I mean, go over to his new wife's ex-pimp's place and essentially poke the bear by saying, yeah. this is how much I'm going to give you for peace of mind. And it's an empty envelope, no money in it at all. Like basically saying we're going to throw down now, you know, like, yeah, I mean, talk about like having absolutely no regard for, for anything. Yeah. And where's the like Detroit police who are like, are they not investigating this whole thing? I, I guess they thought it was like a well, drug. Hit. Didn't, didn't Dennis Hopper say that he checked with his buddy on the force and they were like, basically they think it's just a loop, a, a, a blue Louie. Right. A blue Lou deal and they're just not even gonna bother like they're just like whatever they're yeah yeah so yeah but- and 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 i guess uh walk-ins already got his driver's license so the cops would not have found the license so they don't know anything about him right so, so 
He's just it's all he, self-contained. Yeah. He's just no bringing his own there. chaos. I have I have a lot of mixed feelings about this movie because I struggle with Tony Scott's style now. I, I loved it when I was a kid, but now it's very, I find it very distracting. Like it's, you know, a lot of these tight close-ups, you know, fast cutting, slow motion mixed in there, um, you know, a lot of super violence, but just all of it combined, I find the style like takes me, if it weren't for Tarantino's script, I would have struggled to stay with the movie. Well, right. But I think that's the thing, right? Like we, like we were talking about earlier is the fact that the, the dialogue is so like sharp and quick witted, like the frenetic nature of the filmmaking and the camera and the action, like kind of creates a, a balance, you Mm -hmm. know, like it, it all feeds like there's not a there's not an imbalance at least you know like of 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 one or the other and so like i think it all just i mean the the whole movie like we said is just you're not getting any time to breathe like it's just from one thing to the next to the next and you know i'm watching it now 20 years later and seeing what some of these people that were not big names and now they're in this and you're just like man like I don't know, going through it, like it was kind of an interesting, it's like going back and looking at a yearbook, yeah. you know, like it's just, you're like, you got all these cool scenes that are kind of cut together and, and patched, patched together quickly. And, and you're seeing people that you see now a lot that you forgot were in it and were just bit parts and on their way to becoming stars. And it's just, I don't know, man, like going back and rewatching it 20 years after the fact, I, 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 I think I may like it more now than I even did when I was younger. Like, I don't know. Like it's to me, it's like kind of a perfect time capsule of, you know, like a certain filmmaking style that was super popular at the time. And obviously like ushering in a new style of, of filmmaking or, or script and dialogue and, and kind of meta pop culture awareness and then having actors, both old and young at the time that were powerful or have become powerful, like, I don't know, dude, like, it's kind of an incredible thing, like all of it, like, in that it's still like, even though, yeah, the, some of the language is a little iffy and it doesn't exactly carry, uh, you know, into today's kind of sensibilities, like mm-hmm. the overall, like, story and arch, like, it's pretty awesomely grotesque love story that (laughs) that is is like you know like a perfect capsule of of kind of old and new like i don't know man like i i really like i really enjoyed it like i'm really i'm really uh surprised by uh by it all it's it's tarantino's version of a fairy tale yeah and his fairy tale is not going to look like a Disney movie. You know, it's not it's, a fairy tale I want to be a part of, man. But like, <laughs> it's definitely his version. Yeah, I mean, you get you, you know the very end of the movie, you get your your happy ending, and and it's rare. It's rare in a Tarantino movie. It's rare well, in any yeah. of these gangster movies um, yeah. that you know the heroes survive and live seemingly happily ever after. And and well, uh, and apparently that was that was. 
Tony Scott, right? Like, because in Tarantino's script, they did like Clarence yeah. did die. Yeah. And like Tony Scott shot both. And he was like, you know what? Ultimately, like I decided I wanted to keep them alive because like I had kind of fallen in love with them as a yeah. as a couple, you know, like. Yeah. So I think I would have hated this uh, a lot if Clarence died, like, you know, yeah. get, and, and yeah, and but I was super surprised that they both made it out. I, I just was like, wh- like, what? Like they both. Well, yeah. They both made it to Mexico and had a kid, and they're they're fine for a couple years at least. Like what? I, I was blown especially away. Especially around I expected this, tragedy. Like yeah, just, especially around this time. Like movies at that yeah. time. Like it had become super popular for movies at this time for like they to, uh, there to be a tragic ending. You know, yeah. like it, it was yeah. kind of like the new kind of it was another one of the new popular things that people were doing with a lot of the movies and. And he's like, no, yeah. let's just let's just go old school and keep this a happy end. Mm-hmm. Well, and like you know, because I think I think Clarence is, re- I think well, for for whatever Clarence is, um, you know, I mean, the, 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 the you know, he's he he purposely went on a murder spree, you know, like he, you know, I don't I don't know if Clarence is necessarily a redeemable guy, but no, he's definitely an antihero for sure. Yeah, but for him to make it to the end, and you know, I think. To, and to be with someone he loves and to have a child with them. I, there's like a chance. It, it almost telegraphs like a chance for redemption for him, like a chance right. for a better whatever, because we don't know what his life was like before she came into his life, but he's probably, he's just a nerdy loner. Like, yeah. we don't know if he ever killed anybody, but well, the thing is, is he did know. it all for love, right? Like all the right. things that he did, even how despicable they are and how like, you know like for a non-sociopath like normal person like would not be the approach like he did it all for love he did it all for you know Mm -hmm. alabama the woman he loves who he fell in love with over the course of an evening and like they have defied (laughs) defied all odds by by you know sticking it out moving to cancun having a kid yeah well i and i got and i'll I'll say this too like they're you know the their night they spent together that there was a depicted as a, it's very much like a lovemaking scene like it's very romantic mm-hmm. kind of love making yeah. oh, scene yeah. it's not it's not hard sex you know it's like oh yeah it was like uh, i i i just so without like that that's actually per, like that actually works for me like making it at least now they're falling into each other that way because they had a romantic evening together. Yeah, like, it's Top Gun, take my breath away. Oh like, yeah, it's, you know, like, it's yeah, shot yeah, the yeah. exact same way. <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's it's that scene except in a grittier, uh, more violent. Yeah, this is how this package. is how Tony Scott makes love. That's it. <laughs> yeah, you just saw it, guys. But I, you know, like I, I think I think if I think if that if that scene was if their love, you know, their sex scene was like less, you know, less romantic and like right. you know, I, I think it doesn't. You don't buy it. You know, it's just like oh well, they 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 you know they spend the night together and like oh we're in love, but like there's like legitimate like compassionate whatever mm-hmm. or passionate kind of thing. anyway so like i like that's the thing there's all these little parts that actually just make it all make sense that i understand it like i i, yeah. I get like there's nothing about it helps this you buy that, in yeah yeah uh so yeah i mean as so as a cohesive script and a cohesive movie i mean yeah i mean it absolutely works like i i, I get it i i get the the excitement for this kind of movie 
yeah. for this particular movie rather um yeah and a lot of that was was tony scott i mean he he leaned into the love story yeah. or the or the romance side of it uh whereas tarantino was you know in his version it was not as dominant as it as uh it is in the in the tony scott version and eventually tarantino who wasn't really involved in the shooting of the movie um didn't go on set at all i think he came around uh to it later on and and accepted it so yeah well like i don't remember i don't remember um how uh natural born killers like because that doesn't seem like i don't think they they had a you know a lovely you know, love making scene, right? Like where they fell for each other. Well, right? no, it's but everything kind of... about that movie is violent. Like it's that's violent, angry. That's Oliver movie. Stone. You know, that's yeah. like yeah. Oliver Stone is a very different filmmaker than yeah. um, Tony yeah. Scott. Yeah. yeah, and Mickey and Mallory. I mean, like they're just. I mean, they're. I mean, their love making probably is violent. You know, like that's just right. their right. speed. You know, like they're just. Like, yeah. like Clarence and Alabama like they're romantics at heart even though like they're they're like twisted like they're I think they're just looking for someone who will love them and who they can yeah. love you know like they want that soft like they just want to be lost in each other right mm -hmm. and like right. you know Mickey and Mallory like they just want to burn the world down right well, and Clarence and Alabama clearly will do anything to get achieve that dream, which yeah. they do. And it does it's like it doesn't matter what we have to do to get there. <laughs> We're gonna right. do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um I I had a real like up and down relationship with Tarantino over the years that I, I loved him. And then, you know, right after college, I kind of fell out of love with him and was really down on a lot of his movies, this one included that you know, I, it wasn't, as I got older, I was less of a fan of Tony Scott and, and, you know, like I was mentioning his style was kind of distracting to me in a lot of his movies. Uh, so, uh, you know, I struggled with, with this one and having seen it again, I did, I did, I kind of came back around on it that I, I, I did enjoy it. And a lot of it is just, just, just with the performances, like the acting is so stellar from everybody, e even a young way less experienced brad pitt that character yeah. is hilarious yeah <laughs> um you know everyone is so well cast and does their job uh you know perfectly like gandolfini is like you said like he's a menacing you know ogre and and that's what that character is and he was so good at it um yeah Penn, sizemore bronson pinchot all of you know we we said already but uh you know so good the only only one is maybe Sam Jackson just didn't get quite enough time. I would have, I, yeah. I, I mean, he got like top five billing in the yeah. opening yeah, credits. And he, yeah. I, I was like, oh, he got blown away in his opening scene. Like, yeah. shit. And this, <laughs> well, was, this is pre, you know, pre Jurassic Park. Oh, no. Well, I guess Jurassic Park probably already came out. Jurassic Park came out in the summer. So, right. right but yeah. it was pre Pulp Fiction, right? Yeah. So, like, I mean, yeah, he's not the big, like, Pulp Fiction is. Deal. Yeah, like Pulp. I mean, like, actor. granted, he was recognizable from Jurassic, but but Pulp Fiction is, I feel like, what put him really like squarely on the map. Hundred percent. I mean, he's in the Spike. You know, some of the Spike Lee films prior. Uh, prior yeah, to that, and yeah, you know, um, was it yeah, Fresh? I think he was in Fresh, or was it Fresh or New Jack City? I can't remember, but one um, of those. Yeah, or Juice. 
or juice. Juice, yep. good movie. Menace to Society. He's in that briefly, yeah. but yeah, um, yeah, but basically like smaller roles that he's not the lead. You know, it's it's yes, it's Pulp Fiction yeah. that puts puts him really in as a household name. Yeah. Right. I mean, makes him kind of the face yeah. of you know. It's just it's just there's so many you know opening credit stars like that are listed. Like I was John, I think I was telling you uh, like when I was a kid. And watching movies and not I'm not a cinephile by any stretch of the mean. Uh, but like as a kid, if there, there was a movie on TV and the opening credits, like if if I if there were like past the fourth person in the movie, if I still recognized it, I was like, oh, this is a good movie because look at all the people I recognize <laughs> yeah. in this movie. Right. Like I but like usually it was when I was a ch- like when I was a kid, like in the 90s and, and everything, I'm like. I don't know who that after the third or fourth name. And it's just like, they kept listing names. I'm like, I don't know who that is. I don't know. I'm like, eh, I don't know. I don't care. But like watching this movie yeah. and then when I'm like, Oh, this just name after name. I'm like, Oh my God. Like everyone's in this. This is great. I can't like, I can't wait yeah. to watch this. There's, there's everybody, <laughs> but that only comes from being, you know, 40 years old now and seeing all these guys in all these other movies right but but back then i wouldn't have known who michael rapaport was right and did anybody yeah. in 93 did anyone know who michael rapaport well this was? would no, have been was... after this would have been after higher learning right no this is before yeah this is even before man I'm, my timeline's all messed up tonight but because that's the first thing that i really remember rapaport in was higher yeah. learning hmm. uh rapaport was in yeah, I guess that a Copland is after that. Yeah, he was yeah. he was kind of just floating around, but yeah, th- yeah. this was the first one that I can remember. Yeah, uh, and he had that sitcom, right? Didn't he have a sitcom in the? Oh yeah, he was on two thousands. Yeah, uh, what was the name of that sitcom? Uh, oh, I don't remember. Never mind. Yeah, True Man's. Uh, yeah, Highlander is <laughs> ninety five. Metro ninety seven. Copland is. Metro. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like yeah. Deep, I forgot he's in Deep Blue Sea. Oh man. Michael Rappaport is in Deep Blue Sea. Apparently, along with Sam Jackson. Yeah. I, I don't recall. We 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 have to cover Deep Blue Sea at some point. Apparently so. we have to, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, I mean, a great, great shark movie. And then the, and then yeah, his sitcom Shark the, Week. We should do the, Shark yeah. Week, guys. The war at home where he would like monologue to the audience. And it was like, uh, just you know, uh I understand yeah. my my daughter. She's gonna have sex one day, but I, hopefully I'm dead. Like you know. Yeah. Wait, are you doing constant. Woody? Are you doing Woody it, Allen? Or he would Michael? do that. He would be doing Woody. He'd be like, "Listen, yeah, I'm like I'm fine with my daughter like dating, but like uh, you know, I don't want to hear he's about a, it. Hopefully, I'm in a coma. Like he's terrible. It was it, like I mean, it was probably fun. It was probably it was funny, but it was just yeah. the same thing of like he's this dad who can't understand yeah. his teenage daughters. <laughs> it's so. Uh, yeah, I saw he's in also... a, he's in atypical now on Netflix, which I oh, really enjoy. Yeah, oh, cool. I like that one. With uh Jennifer Jason Lee, another Tarantino alumni. Yes. They're just they're everywhere. Dude, Jennifer I saw Jason her at, I saw her at the batting cage before the lockdown. But really a, yeah, she's the swinging... bat the bat kid in Burbank. No, I think her kid was there, like oh my god, hitting balls. But like, yeah, she, she... was like there. I was like, holy crap jennifer jason lee yeah it's pretty awesome she was she was uh my only meeting with her was very very awkward uh for an awkward 12 year old uh who was forced (laughs) to ask her for an autograph what (laughs) 
That's funny. I'm sorry, I was, what? My uncle was uh, was in New York shooting a uh, single white female. And we went down to the set to, to visit him one day. I got to leave school early. It was great. And it was like, why, why are you leaving early? Where are you going? I'm like, I'm going to a movie set. So bye, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> See you later, suckers. Yeah. Uh, but we got there and he's like, you should ask her for, for an autograph. I'm like, I don't want, like, I wasn't into autographs. <laughs> like, like, I don't no. want. He's like, no, go do it. Go do it. Oh, okay. So like knock on her trailer door. Like what? Like, God, yeah. Knock on her trailer door. <laughs> I don't oh, even think God. an AD was with me. I just went and did it, and it was so embarrassing. And I, I was, I was. Did uh, she give you an autograph? She gave me the autograph. Yep. Holy shit! I have it somewhere in did my you, attic. Did you explain to her? Framed like, right. Oh next yeah, to yeah, her? yeah. I, I said who I was. So. Okay. At and she's like, she's "Oh like... yeah, reconsinimation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> even back then. <laughs> I see a great future for you. Oh uh, yeah, but uh, excuse me, Miss Jason Lee. <laughs> Yep. I was like, I would like a. This was this was like a few months prior to my bar mitzvah, so I, I was going to say the cool so, haircut. Yeah. yeah. This was like, your true coming of age. So yeah. Wait, had, had single white female come out at this point? Had you had seen it? Uh, well, no. I mean, that was on the set for it. I had it by the time that, true oh. romance came out. Oh right, right, right. Yeah. 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 Sorry, but yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, all of that being said, I think it's now time for a little box office glory oh okay let's do it all right let's see how it did so true romance uh has a budget of 12.5 million dollars it's released on september 10th 1993 it opens up at number three uh it's opening against the other new releases that week were undercover blues and the real mccoy which was uh that was val Val kilmer kim basinger i think yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, but it, it ends up uh, number three between Undercover Blues and uh, Man Without a Face in I oh. think week three. Mel possibly. Gibson's so, Mel Gibson's yep. first directorial. Oh yeah, yeah. Not gonna lie, I kind of like. He directed it. He directed that, and he didn't have the face. Yep. <laughs> For him. How That's did he direct first... it without a face? The lady know. in that is actually the lady that William that he's married to as William Wallace in Braveheart. Oh, interesting. Small yep. world. Do they have Scottish accents? Yes. Who does <laughs> That's the MGCU. That's right. The yeah. Mel Gibson Cinem- Cinematic <laughs> Universe. Uh, so it, it, it opens up, but does not do very well. It, it only takes in its entire theatrical run, $12.6 million, which means it had a $100,000 profit. Uh, not good for the amount of talent in this movie, for Tony Scott, um, doesn't i you know it's hard to say that it didn't i guess it didn't really negatively affect tarantino because the the wheels were already in motion for him but um not good for everybody else but it's uh and it ends up number 96 of 1993 between life with mikey and judgment night so way down there wow yeah judgment night that's the emilio estevez movie yep you got it oh judgment night he gets caught bunch up of, in a gang. Bunch of bunch violence. of bunch of thirty or forty something dads take the Winnebago out to go to some kind of sporting event, and they get caught in the 
wrong on side the of wrong, wrong yeah. on the wrong side. Oh, and of then the they gotta like, and then they gotta kill a bunch of like gang members or something. They right? gotta, they gotta do whatever they gotta do oh, to survive. Shit, yeah. I think I might have seen Judgment Night. Oh wow, wow, Judgment Night. <laughs> so not good for, uh, not good for Judgment Night, but also not good for True Romance. So tough to at the box office, but. Luckily, this movie is going to find all of his all of its success on home video, uh, especially after Pulp Fiction comes out about a year later, that that's when the audiences are just flocking to anything Tarantino, anything they can get their hands on. And True Romance is a big one. And suddenly, okay, people get it now. Now they get it after Pulp Fiction. They get the style. They get uh, the references. And, and, um, you know, the movie becomes a big I would say it was a cult classic for a long time. I don't know if I'd categorize it that way now uh, because it got so popular and um, but it certainly found it's uh, it's calling on home video. Yeah. Um, I, one of the things that bugged me about it when I started to dislike the movie was, you know, the, the score, you know, that opening score by Hans Zimmer uh, was a, I took it that they were sort of ripping off Badlands, but it's mm. actually now I see it as much more of an homage to Badlands and a sort of a, yeah. a callback to it and done intentionally uh, rather than a ripoff. So uh, yeah. I'm, I'm okay with it now. Well, originally they were supposed to have a full, like, full orchestra doing like the score, but mm-hmm. they, my understanding is that Tony Scott went over budget and so they had to cut the music budget down so there was like so he had his niece do it on a fucking <laughs> xylophone man it's just a xylophone and a couple like one-off instruments like yeah. basically that's the whole score yeah i don't i don't i i don't understand the i, I artistically i don't understand the score as, as it relates to the movie see i think it adds to the fairy tale nature of it like it's whimsical and just yeah. kind of like yeah. You know, it's again, like it's another thing in the movie that is very counter to what you're seeing on screen, you know? Yeah. And so like, I think it just helps add a balance. Yeah. It's like a happy, it. it's a happy tone, peaceful. I mean, I guess I couldn't get to the ending of the movie if it, it had a different kind of darker score, but mm-hmm. I just, I, I was like this, but did, it seemed did you, very incongruent. Did you want the Hans Zimmer like Inception score? Is that what you're looking? Yeah, for? I think the Inception score Something. should be in every movie, no matter who's, no matter what the movie is, what it's about. Yeah, I just want it, you know. Like, um, but uh, I, I think the inside track is also calling back to for you know for real film fans that um, getting sort of you know a happy version of of Badlands. So. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm cool well, right. with that now. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm sure. Yeah, it it's that's what it is. Um. So yeah. So this is uh this is true romance. It uh you know has a lot of success later. I think it still you know some of these guys' best performances or or you know definitely like top level performances for them. It's um. So I felt like it was it was fun to watch it. Um. I did. I would say I'm gonna rate it. I'm going to rate it probably a I'm going to call it a 5.5. That's 5. a five. <laughs> what kind you? of nonsense right, this, shit are you talking about? What? So I, I don't know. I love the performances, but 
Even you know, I was gonna still give it a six. Like, I know. I was gonna say David's gonna, gonna go to six. That. And, all right, all right, I'll go. A little, all right, I'll make it a six point five. Oh, no, Does that no, make everybody feel better? No, don't, no. Be, don't be all wishy washy. I'm just very surprised by this. Okay, so yeah, go ahead. No, maybe that is low though. So you know, just on the performances, I'll 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 notch it up to a six point five. But <laughs> but that's the the it's the it's the Tony Scott like style that. You know, it did. It took me out of it watching it. Just it was, you know, I, I find it so distracting, especially it's really hard in some of his other movies too. The Last Boy Scout, The Fan. It, it's like Days of Thunder. It's like, oh, my God, like, can I just watch something for more than two seconds before you're cutting away to a close up of somebody else's face? Yeah. Very MTV music video. Yeah. Kind of like frenetic. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 tough to focus absolutely but i get that it, it's you know it, it matches the style of tarantino script so um but yeah so that's that's where it's gonna sit for me what about except, you guys except when so like in, except when a character wants to monologue uh you know based you know uh charlton heston is the greatest actor and here's why and i'm gonna i'm gonna go through five different reasons why he's the greatest actor ever and then we're gonna get to the point of this story that's you know that's the, the there's at least four or five moments in the movie mm-hmm. where it's like that i'm gonna i'm gonna set you up for something and tell you something and like and seeing other movies that tarantino had had written like you know just that, that that's very much like if this was the first time if this was the first tarantino movie i've ever seen I, i'm like oh that's kind of cool but shit like it is just his style of like characters over explaining their pop culture like love for things which is fine be a nerd be a you know i don't mean nerd derogatorily you know i i just mean you know uh anyway i listen the it's a good movie six six point oh here we go that's it i'm, I'm in we're gonna put a six point. i'll never watch this movie again for any oh reason oh my god really never what? never why would i oh my it's god so good that's why it's fine like they're everyone <laughs> and it's great but that's fine i'll watch uh pump up the volume if i want some more slater uh i'll watch uh i'll watch uh legend of billy king billy jean if i want two slaters uh <laughs> if i want a double slater robin uh, robin hood is everything it's yeah. the greatest movie ever <laughs> well, but yeah so that yeah 6.0 it's great it's fine it's great good, good I'm, job good job I'm, everybody i'm definitely gonna watch it more than this last time i Why? unlike <laughs> unlike uh oh, i forget what movie it was not too long ago where i'm like ah, i'll probably never watch that again oh yeah well, <laughs> which one was that there was it was less than one, zero less than zero probably probably yeah Yeah. face off face off it was definitely face off like i'll never watch never watch that again i will probably watch this once a year yeah once Uh, a year yeah all right yeah i probably will like i don't know if it you know like i it's certainly set the alarm it certainly has a uh it's august 5th better it it certainly has earned its way back into uh uh my rewatchable state and with with john i agree like so tony scott's style is a little like heavy-handed but he does not bother me nearly as much as some of the other bruckheimer gang like michael bay you know like that like 
If Michael Bay had directed this movie, I probably would have never watched it. Oh, yeah. Just because like the how that would have been. Well, you wouldn't have had this cast. Yeah, that's true. So there it you go. There just have been a lot of sexy women shooting each other. You would have got yeah. bad boys. You would have got bad boys. Yeah. Uh, you going to say you're not going to watch bad boys again? Bad boys is pretty great. I've we'll tried. Hold. I've tried. I watched the new I watched the new one. I watched the new one too. It's not it's all right. It's, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's better than the second one, but not as oh, good yeah. as the first one. The yeah. first one's incredible. Yeah. Hey, the first one's a lot of fun. I haven't seen that one probably in 20 years either. But I, I think I saw the first one as soon as it was like available on rental, and that was the one time I saw it. Oh, I saw I watched it. I, I, I watched it a, lot. it a lot. I watched it a lot. I saw that several times. Yeah. Um no, but anyway. Uh, this movie definitely it's going to go back in rotation like I really really enjoyed it it took me back to like the big like kind of the start of not just fantasizing about being a filmmaker but actually starting to take major steps in in making Mm -hmm. that like a career right and so I uh I really enjoyed it. It it brings a lot of fond memories back watching it with my with my buddies, and uh, so I'll watch it for sure. I'm definitely ranking it higher than either of you guys. I'll probably give it uh, like an eight point seven. Like wow. I really like nice. I really like this seven. movie. Wow, yeah, I, I love really it. liked it. So cool. I like yeah, that. It's back. Right. It's back in. It's back in the in the top there. You know, I, I'm thinking. Okay, thinking more deeply about it. Oh no! It's got Chris oh. Penn in it, so I'm oh, going to here we go. I'm, I'm oh. going to ratchet up one more point, so I'm up to seven five. You got throw. You were at a five. five. You were <laughs> at a five. Listen to this guy. You throw Tom Sizemore in it. Somebody now give us to the waffle five. iron. What's get out of here at eight five? Get out of here. Yeah. So you now got, it's up to eight five. Oh shit! Look, there's limited Gandolfini uh, screen time. Uh, he's gone, unfortunately. So one yeah. more point. We're at nine point five now, guys. So. Well, this is shit. almost a, per- become this a perfect. This is this is one up. This is your literally the highest rated movie you've done on the podcast. <laughs> this this one, this is the best it thing we've be. ever done. It can't be. I got Gary Oldman's imagine. pretty strong. Let's just call it a ten point five. So. Fuck off. We'll call you it a day. <laughs> your numbers are all invalid. Right. We're not counting. So I don't know how I'm going to put this into the spreadsheet for you because you're That's all zero. over the place here. That's Ask me garbage. tomorrow, and it might be down. We'll see. We'll yeah, see. No. We'll see which rating gets get, remains in the edit, the final edit. See what <laughs> oh, happens. God, oh Lord, uh, <laughs> I'm so mad now. <laughs> well, look, we'll have to, uh, you know, next, uh, you know, next time we we look at Tarantino, we'll we'll have to decide what we're going to do next. We're not going to do. do we're maybe not going to do Natural Born Killers, but there's. It sounds um, like that one got vetoed. I'm cool. That's yeah. you guys can do it. I'm out. I'm not doing. I'm not watching that movie. <laughs> no, I think it's. It might be too polarizing. Like maybe it's yeah. just not the right kind of movie to do. Yeah, no one well, talks yeah. about that movie, right? Right. Well, no I think cares. I think a lot of people are angry at it. So they should yeah. be. Yeah. It's really. I mean, hard. I remember it being kind of a big deal when it came out. Like I, yeah. like I, it was an it angry was. It was movie, and and it was like. I was kind of an angsty kid, you know. So I do you think I, I want to watch Rodney Dangerfield talking about how he fucked his daughter? Like, you know, I, I don't want to watch that again. I'm not I'm not gonna watch that movie. That's in the movie. <laughs> like, it is in the movie. He it sexually is. abused his daughter. I'm not yeah. watching that movie again. It's, Forget it's, it. It's in the movie. So that was it. I think that that was like the point where I'm like, done. <laughs> and like did you it, even make it, did you even make it to the to the jailbreak scene? I don't know. I I didn't make it to the end. I don't remember. Okay, then then you then you missed not. some some more tough 
stuff there. Yeah, but, cool. <laughs> but that's, you know, honestly, like that's so much less of a Tarantino movie. I mean, that yeah, is, is sure. so much Oliver Stone taking over that. Whereas True Romance yeah. is, is still, it feels like a split down the middle style stylistically so well yeah. there, there's something about I, I don't know how to define tarantino but there is always like sort of a um romanticism about everything he's talking about and whether it's an actual love story or it's the you know the source material of of living in los angeles or criminal element he's he romanticizes everything that he you know that that seems to be the story he tells about so there there is something to that so i get it like there is a draw i even so even i who may not be enjoying necessarily like the visceral subject matter like you know i I, it's hard not to be compelled by any any of it so um yeah that that's how i come out of this like it's still compelling to me uh, uh in a lot of ways so um again i know he didn't direct it but it's just like that you know it's it's hard it's hard to like reject this i'm not trying to reject it i just but it's hard to like not see like how how much this has got something that you know kind of propelled movie movie filmmaking forward in the 90s Mm -hmm. um you know so i i I get it i get the point of it yeah this became a really well-liked movie afterwards Mm -hmm. by 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 96 excuse me 96 97 uh, after we, we had after Batman Forever and and after <laughs> Batman and Robin, yeah, it's like, you yeah. know Tarantino's just showing us good movies. You know? Yeah, yeah, he's giving us the good stuff. It's like if, you know, yeah. So, this is this is. Uh, I I would say if you're a Tarantino fan, it, it really is a must watch. It's it's definitely sure. part of part of that universe. And um, if you call yourself a Tarantino fan and you haven't seen this, like yeah, that doesn't you're make definitely sense, yeah. missing. You're definitely missing a big piece, right? I think I don't know with with new younger fans this may not totally be on it their radar. It could have slipped through the cra- yeah, totally could yeah. have slipped through the cracks. So, yeah. But, well, um, and, I, and I wouldn't know what like what would a young person, you know, a younger filmmaking fan today think about this? I mean, who knows? We'd have to we'd have to get a Gen Z person on the on the show to find yeah, out. We'll find Does one. Resonate? Does this resonate anymore? I mean, who knows? Does this make sense? Let's get one of our interns. Just force them to watch it. They will never be on mic. They will never <laughs> be on mic. Get out of here, Jerry. Sorry. He, oh David, my calm down. goodness. He just sat. He just saddled up to sit in the mic next to my own. Yeah, we we said one thing and already he's ready. Forget it, Jerry. Get me get me a scone. All right. Well, that's. <laughs> that's gonna on that note it's gonna wrap up uh this episode of reconsinimation we um want to say a quick uh, shout out and thank you to our friends ek wimmer for the theme music and don't forget to check out his podcast laser graves uh, anywhere you get your podcasts uh, it is a lot of fun every episode and thank you to curtis moore for the poster as usual uh, don't forget to check us out on social media we're at reconsinimation podcast on twitter instagram that other social media place that people use uh, or check out any of our back catalog at www.reconsinimation.com. Leave us a rating, a review. It helps the, uh, helps boost the show. So uh, we love to hear from you guys as well. So, uh, all right, we're going to be back next time. We're heading straight for David's favorite time of the year. Shocktober's right around the corner. Mm, Shocktoberfest. Shocktober. 
Uh, and we got a lot of fun movies lined up this year. So uh, stay tuned and we'll see you next time on Reconcinimation. Take care. Bye now. Pretty good. You dick? No. Dick no, he's not here right now. You live here? Yes, I do. He's sort of uh, roommates? Exactly roommates. Yeah, well, maybe you can help me. I'm looking for a friend sure. of mine. Clarence Worley from Detroit. He's traveling with a real pretty girl named Alabama. Uh, yeah, man, I know him. They've been by here. You seen them? Mm-hmm. They stay in here? No, they're staying at the Safari Motor... Motel Inn. Safari Motel. Safari Motel? Yeah. How do you know that? I mean, have you been over there? No. Well, they were here, and they said that they were going to go there. And they went. Yeah? Yeah. Safari, Safari Motel. Safari Motel. Uh-huh. Hey, you want to watch some TV or something? They might be back here. No, no, thank you. Thank you. Okay. All right, you take care. I might be back. Yeah, man. Okay, be cool. You condescend me, man. I'll fucking kill you, man.